Thank you for joining XR Om, which is India's first AR VR focused podcast. And today I'm honored to have with me Mr. Bruno Kocher, who's the former CTO of Hitachi Antera, CEO and founder at the Swiss Data Labs AG. And currently he's the CEO and co-founder at Sakai, a Web3 powered industrial metaverse that creates a global digital twin of physical assets, process and system that is used by enterprises. So Bruno, really appreciate you taking time and being part of a humble podcast. Why don't we start with the brief background and what you've been doing? And uh, thank you for the invitation. So actually, my background is uh, from mechanical engineering. And I started um, developing software very early on with robotics, uh, visual systems for robotics. And then I was actually working uh, in my previous um, role with Hitachi uh, as CTO and Chief Digital Officer for various enterprise customers. And also now I was joining then Sekai as CEO and co-founder in order to build um, the metaverse or the industrial metaverse, how it is called. Previous, it was more called like digital twins, but now as the evolution goes on and the market goes on, um, I think the metaverse is the right name for it because actually it has to scale beyond um, the limitations of a digital twin, how we define it, right? If you had to describe what the metaverse is uh, or explain metaverse, well, what would you have to say? I don't think there is a common metaverse definition or a common reference architecture model. I think the metaverse for, for how Sekai is sort of putting it um, towards the, the community and the market, we typically have four layers, right? How we define it. There's the consumption layer, VR, AR, um, web front ends, mobile devices. So this is sort of consuming the metaverse information and data. Then we actually define the data interoperability layer, where you share information, share data meaning. Then you have obviously the entire marketplace community. This is typically governed by blockchain technology, by Web3 technology, in order to have NFTs in place, to have DAOs in place, to have smart contracts in place, but as well having concepts, as we say, build to earn, share to earn, uh, in order to build applications in VR and earn money for it, or in order to share data in the metaverse and earn money for it. And then the basic foundation layers, what I mentioned is sort of this connection to the real world, having identity layer, having mass notarization layer, having trust of origin layer, because you need to know in the industrial metaverse, is this asset real and is the identity of this asset which i'm expecting in virtual reality or in web front end would you be able to explain digital twin or what you call the industrial metaverse yeah so so the the digital twin actually is is sort of um the the foundational concept of the industrial metaverse so if you have a digital twin let's say for an asset and you put it in the world at its real location because every digital twin actually has a real world location and you start 
connecting data to that digital twin and federate it with other digital twin and start building up, building up and weaving in and weaving in, you actually end up in a mesh, in a mesh of, of data and in a mesh of digital twins, where you actually then can expose towards the consumption layer, right? So you can expose it to virtual reality. You can enter for example, a complex asset within virtual reality and get this immersive experience. On the other hand, you might have a digital twin of an infrastructure such as a railway. There you do not need to have virtual reality per se to have this experience. You can have it on a Google Google Map Earth-like visual, um, visual uh, um, user interface in order to have the value, right? So the industrial metaverse or the digital twins, they are not tied to a representation layer. Right? So they can be processes, they can be um, simple, um, simple assets, complex assets, they can be entire organizations in a digital twin in the industrial metaverse, which actually being linked together uh, over the over the limitations of, of current organizations, but as well over the limitations of current industry verticals. Would you be able to elaborate on this digital uh, twin a little bit more by giving some examples? Yeah, so what, what we have, for example, um, as a customer cases are heavily complex rotational equipment, such as, for example, a gas turbine or a jet engine, right? where you then have um, several thousands of parts and you start actually dive into those parts by virtual reality. So you actually turn on your, your goggles and take your handles and then you can start interacting with that digital twin uh, in a very immersive um, uh, way. So you can actually take the turbine several parts away, you can explode it. And what the use cases in virtual reality um, are, some very prominent use cases, for example, is training and knowledge sharing so that you actually have this multiplayer experience, which you have in a metaverse. So you have maybe one senior engineer teaching uh, five, four um, students or, or junior engineers how to interact such a large complex asset, for example, how to shut it shut it down or how to turn it on or how to maintain if something is breaking or how to maintain on a regular maintenance basis so actually the use cases in collaborating um, are very broad and this i think is as well the aspect of immersive experience which will not only change in the social media and um, retail business of a metaverse, it as well will heavily change the way organizations will collaborate, right? So they can now join a virtual reality at the same time, at the same space and see the same things, right? And this is a completely fundamental change because before having virtual reality capabilities, you had to go to the shop floor or you had to go to the physical location, walk around the physical asset and, and look at the physical asset. Now you have the capabilities with virtual reality or other um, immersive experience to join virtually um, 
the digital world, which represents a, 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 a picture of the reality, having sensor data, having surrounding data, having the right spot, having the right environment temperature, humidity, temp uh, humidity, and so on. So you are really in the digital world of that specific asset or of that specific site, if it's if it's a more complex. We making life extremely simpler for enterprise instead of us going all the way to a factory. Uh, uh, somebody could train and understand right at the comfort comfort of home. We would also be sensorizing the physical world, taking data from it and adding real-time data and learning from the, the virtual world and leveraging the learning onto the, the physical world. So this is, is the future. So I will appreciate, Bruno, if, if you could elaborate further on what you're building with Sakai. And maybe share examples of some of the works that you have done so enterprise or the listeners can understand. So, so what we are well building with Sekai is um, in, in what I mentioned. So the industrial metaverse or the metaverse is dealing with physical real world uh, data. There is a major challenge in having the connection between the data world and the virtual reality. Um, this is sort of where Sekai actually was founded um, back in 2019 in order to build this layer of the data, what we call system of records, right? Whatever this is a, a, um, a sensor data, but it as well can be a drawing, a 3D drawing of an asset. It as well can be um, what I mentioned, infrastructure such as train tracks. Um, and in order to bring those data together, we actually developed a very innovative technology how you can bring those together. We call that pattern-based semantic data mesh, where you actually can weave in those data together and represent them in virtual reality, but as well in, in WebGL to the consumption layer or the immersive experience layer. So what we have started back in 2019 was oil and gas use cases, mainly around um, platforms, right? Oil rigs and platforms. Um, there was as well several use cases on subsea level in order to avoid much diving into into the sub into submarine for the divers, and as well uh, we are actually building a lot of use cases around what we call the community edition for the metaverse, um, or what we call national digital twins, which are based on public and open data, right? So that those builders, those data engineers can take public data, can take open data, bring them together and actually build use cases on top of, of Sekai's metaverse and actually as well can, can build uh, virtual realities using Unreal, Unity or, or Omniverse uh, capabilities. So Sekai is actually building the, 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 the foundation and the the data layer, as well as the connection towards the real-world data and the gaming engines for the industrial network. In your profile, it says the Sakai is a Web3 
powered industrial metaverse exactly. so so maybe you know kind of elaborate on, on that but before i think you you get into that i think it'll be nice of you if you could explain web3 itself what web3 is and then maybe talk about how web3 uh, sekai is a web3 powered industrial metaverse yeah so web3 or, or the the follower of 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 web2 actually is heavily driven by this by this um concept of of uh, autonomy and distributed computing right so that you have uh, autonomous layer and that everyone can actually participate and everything is transparent so blockchain technology is one of the main drivers behind behind web3 technologies and web3 web3 um, um sort of uh, how how to collaborate right so and what we embrace actually at sekai is Web3 technologies in order to publish um, data, in order to publish um, use cases, to make them ac accessible via marketplaces, which are actually governed by Web3 and blockchain technologies. As well, the concept of distributed autonomous organization, I think will be heavily driven uh, as well from the community using the metaverse and actually building those use cases, right? So that people no longer working um, in the future just for one enterprise. They might work in the morning for an enterprise, but in the in the afternoon, they might work in the metaverse and building use cases on top of the metaverse, publish it on the Web3 marketplace, minting their NFTs uh, for digital twins and having their digital ownerships published to the to the use uh, to the users of the metaverse getting subscription for it and actually then can earn money on top of of that metaverse so similarly right. you building your sneaker and selling it as nft in the in the web in the web3 uh, governed metaverse for for social media and and retail you would build a digital twin, for example, of a wind farm and actually publish it to the community and get subscription fees in relation to that use case, which can be used from governments or which can be used from utility companies, for example. Right. You, you mentioned about distributed autonomous uh, organizations. So, uh, would you like to explain about that? Uh, explain a little bit about that because there is a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, what is a distributed uh, autonomous organization? Address that. And, and maybe you could also talk about Web3 and decentralization. Uh, are organizations or enterprise even ready for the ethos of decentralization? Because, you know, when you talk about decentralization, you talk about a, a top bottom uh, you know bottom to up of functioning rather than the top, top down hierarchical manner so are uh, organizations even ready for decentralization and what is a distributed autonomous organization yeah i think i need to i need to to um um take it a little bit from from what i think organizations um from a working or contributing aspect from distributed organizations they are not ready and i think a lot of people working for those organizations are actually not ready but the technology behind it so blockchain ledger technologies i think as well corporates will will sort of embrace those technology because the technology itself is a technology which enables a lot of things, right? Even inside an, a corporate 
structure. So having transparency of your your assets and identity of your assets in a immutable ledger system is sort of a good is a is a good technology feature, right? You can use not only in the public, uh, but you can as well use it in the, in the corporate boundaries. When it comes to distributed autonomous organization, I think we are very, very, very early on, right? So having an organization which is owned by the tokens holder of that of that distributed autonomous organization and can be voted in a very de democratic way and very direct, and, and all the contracts are actually stored on blockchain. I think here we, we need some more time. I think the young people or communities driven, I think, by students are driven by people which actually embrace this, this way of working and contributing maybe not to one DAO in the future, but maybe contributing towards five, six DAO as an employee and not being employed by a specific company or maybe even work for the DAO of a specific company. Uh, this will take some time, right? But I think the technology and the way of contributing to, to use cases, but as well the way of contributing to solve problems makes it much more um, attractive if you put that on a DAO rather than a corporate, right? Because in, in a DAO, everyone can contribute. I can contribute from South Africa. I can contribute from, I don't know, from North America or from APAC. I don't need to be part of that corporate structure. I can contribute to a problem in the industrial metaverse, wherever it is, greenhouse gas re reduction use cases or energy saving uh, reduce uh, use cases. I can contribute without being employed, without being hired, without being sort of part of a specific organization. I think this will completely fundamentally change how people work in the future. If it will be called DAO as it is called today, if it's technically implemented this, the, the way DAOs are currently implemented with all the token holders and all the smart contracts, we will see, and there will be definitely an evolution, but I think it will be, I, 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 very confident that it will change the way people work together in the future heavily, right? Same with immersive experience, right? So the the way immersive experience will change the the collaboration, how we collaborate together in 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 a digital world to solve real world problems and simulate real world problems. It's not only just seeing data connected in, re in, in virtual reality, it's as well simulate what if scenarios together at the same location from a digital point of perspective, but from a physical point of perspective, you do not need to be there, right? You have a digital access towards real world information, corporate information, public information at, at one, just at one fingertip, right? And you can sort of really start exploring and solving problems which, which you were not able because you were sort of tied to your corporate structure. If you do not have this specialist hired, you don't have access. But if you expose your problem as a, as a corporate to the industrial metaverse, you might get it solved by someone who is not part of your organization.
it's so exciting that you know we are no longer you know you know taking these minor iterations because i think you know so far all of our organizations you know whether it's the the banking industry whether it's the education whether it's it's, it's a businesses i think they 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 are legacy traditional businesses which started maybe 100 2 years back but they they still follow the same model when we live in the 21st century when our demands are different the market is different so yes i i think uh, we instead of these minor iteration we need to completely reinvent the wheel and look at this new future with the new ethos you know when we talk about decentralized autonomous organizations it sounds very fantastic but i don't even understand uh, whether organizations are ready to let go of their uh, hierarchical functions because like i mentioned almost all businesses government uh, banking everything works in a hierarchical centralized manner and here we are saying that web3 the the ethos behind is decentralization so daos i mean if it happens where the community gets the power uh, enterprise can solve problem from like you mentioned you know people could be sitting in maybe africa the people could be mm. sitting in in india people could be sitting in any part of uh, you know those neglected part of the worlds you know because i think the neglected part of the worlds will have a voice if we kind of understand technology because i think now we all have a chance to build a preferred future uh, you, uh, you, you didn't uh, address uh, whether organizations are ready for decentralization because besides being ready for decentralization there's uh, obviously you know when, when we talk about blockchain web3 it, it says that it'll create a transparent world it'll, it'll take the intermediaries out now almost all of the businesses whether it's facebook whether it's uh, you know all of the businesses they they are a middleman business you know because so when when we do, do you think uh governments regulation and, and these traditional businesses a will allow the the these kind of things to exist you know like uh, decentralized organizations defi daos will they exist and and, and you maybe you can talk about whether organizations are ready for decentralization i think i think they will they will not need to allow it i think the community will make it so attractive for corporates to participate in a decentralized community to solve their problems and to solve world's demanding problem actually or i don't think every any sort of a corporate can actually solve climate change right it's just not possible not even a logistic company even if it's 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 a, the, the largest one uh, the largest corporates can can solve those issues right it's only the community which actually can solve larger problems and it even doesn't need to be right saving the world thing but but um it's it's actually very likely that this um distributed communities will be very very successful already based on public and open data even without having corporates sharing their data and sharing their intellectual property and their insights even with having open data sets and public data sets having a community working on those data in a joint and um, in a joint fashion and in a community fashion and building use cases and get rewarded for those use cases right the metaverse needs to have this 
build to earn and share to earn concept from a from a business perspective that even you mentioned people in Africa or people in China or people wherever here in Switzerland can actually earn their tokens and earn their money by contributing it even without being employed by a large corporate so I think the success and the attractivity of such a metaverse will actually not raise the question if corporates allow or want to share i think corporates will do it because it will be the only way to solve their problems right i i think we're getting into a world where the gen z are asking like really brave out there questions, you know, because everything was hierarchical and 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 the new bunch of entrepreneurs are looking at businesses and everything in you know doing a complete reinvent rather than a minor iteration. You you spoke about build to earn uh, and share to learn. Uh, would would you be able to like maybe elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, so I think um, for 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 the metaverse or the industrial metaverse, or I think it's important to have actually a a as well a commercial incentive, right? And it's not just this incentive, but if you work for a DAO instead of working for a for a corporate, you want to have your sort of money, right? You need to live, you need to buy food, actually. So that's why we took um, this play to earn from the gaming industry, where you actually play or you build something uh, in a game and get actually paid for playing. Um, We took that concept and said, okay, for the industrial metaverse, what does it need in order to get as well incentivized and getting your your work paid, right? So that then we said, okay, in order to to play to earn, we say, okay, let's build to earn because you need to build the digital representative of the real world. So we provide real world data and then builders like data engineers, but as well virtual reality builders, programmers, software engineers can actually take those data take our APIs and take our SDKs and build content in the industrial metaverse. And if there's value behind the content and behind the application, they get actually paid by subscribers, which subscribe towards an application, towards insights or towards um, whatever the builder is actually building, right? And the share to earn the share to earn is actually if if somebody um, puts data towards the community and puts data into the metaverse and allows access to data into the metaverse or from the metaverse because um, and that then they will as well get rewarded by the subscriber. So it's a very very simple um, business model, right? So you have a use case and the subscriber to the use case. For example, you have the trains and you have the public data of all the trains in a country and somebody calculates an app which predicts punctuality based on the train locations. And then as a user, you wanna have the app, right? And say, I I need to know if the trains are punctual or not. 
then actually you subscribe to that app and you pay whatever $2.50 a month for that app, right? And out of those $2.50, there's a percentage goes to the builder and the percentage actually goes to the one who provided the data from the trains, right? And there are other stakeholders like people who validate if the data is correct and validate if the predictions are correct. So there, I think in, in the white paper, there are about nine roles, which actually get a little percentage out of that subscription from the subscriber. So it's very, it's basically very simple. Yeah, how, how how cool is that? Because I, I think we are completely reinventing how we'll work. The 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 work of the future is completely changing and it's it's really interesting and mind-boggling. Uh uh what are your views on India as a market opportunity? Because all, all the while, we have been a nation that's been exporting the best engineers. And that's the reason I think it's, it's plain to see. I mean, the, the biggest companies in the world have Indian CEOs. Uh, we, we have a big, big database of Web3 and Metaverse uh, developers. Uh, is Sekai looking at partnering with India, Indian developers or startups over here or building solutions for India? I mean, we actually have developers from India in the team already, so we are spot on there. And I think India is one, one of one, definitely one of the, the biggest markets for, for build to earn, but also from share to earn. But I think builders will be will be as well, uh, as I mentioned. So the community for builders actually are, are very um, educated sort of um um, software programmers or data scientists, whereas the, the the people who actually subscribe are maybe maybe uh, not programmers; they're just ordinary people like me, like you. So I think, uh, given the 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 population and and as well the the level of education in India, I think India is actually a brilliant market for such an industrial networks. Definitely. Right, right. Uh, if uh, uh, you know these enterprises who are looking at building digital twins, uh, how does one go about it? How expensive it is? Could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it's it's um, it, well, it depends, right? <laughs> so it depends if it's the first of a kind. This one is a little bit more expensive because you have to actually start getting the informations, then the second of a kind will, will be sort of, of, of uh, less expensive. Um, if you if we are talking about really large large uh, assets and, and large complex uh, assets, they, they, they need to be a funding from the corporate, right? So that's not just having, um, I want to have a digital twin and off we go and I buy a, a good good graphic card and, and a good, a good um, whatever device to enter virtual reality. So it takes time. The, the, the most challenging, um, the challenging part of building digital twins for our corporate customers inside our corporate edition is actually getting to data, right? So getting the data from the customer um, and not just copying data. We always want to avoid copying data because we do this, this data mesh, as I mentioned. So the most challenging part is actually accessing customers' data and not from a technical perspective, but have the right data sort of accessed and being able to, to bring them to them. And then virtual reality, building virtual realities is sort of a very 
very small step and this small budget point behind uh, building such large complex. All right. Uh, thank you, Bruno. Really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. Wish you and the team at Sakai the very best. I think we we are relooking at how we do businesses, you know, and, and I think large, more and more enterprises need to take cognizant of this change and leverage this opportunity of leveraging the community, you know. So exciting space and exciting times. So uh, so thank you once again for being part of the podcast. And to my listeners, if you like what you see in here, then please press the subscribe button. Until next time, see you guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you, Bruno. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. Bye, bye.